I'm Rob. And I'm Nate. And welcome back to Rob and Nate Record a Podcast as we endeavor into a new theme month. Yeah, this our theme month this month. We're going with an actress, and we decided to go with the actress Kira Knightley. Kira Knightley, the English-born actress. Very talented young woman. Mm-hmm. And we started off our theme month with the 2000... Depends on where you look. 2013 or 2014? 2014 was when it got released. IMDb says 2013. I think it might have been like a like a film festival kind yeah. of thing in 2013, and then it got its mainstream release in 2014. Yeah, but the film is Begin Again, starring Kira Knightley as Greta, Mark Ruffalo as Dan, Adam Levine as Dave, Haley Steinfeld as Violet, James Corden as Steve. Yeah, this also has Haslin Bay, Karen Pittman, Paul Romero, Catherine Keener, which this is the second time Catherine Keener and Mark Ruffalo play, uh, play a husband and wife, mm-hmm. previously in Where the Wild Things Are. Indeed. But yeah, this is a great film. It is quite the f- film, and it's a film that uh, I'm vaguely auteur theory. And when it comes to the director of this film, John Carney, I'm very auteur theory, because he has such a distinct style and such kind of a distinct niche in the filmmaking industry is an Irish born director. Very few credits to his name. He made a film, was a co-director and co-writer in 1996 of November Afternoon and in 1999 of a film called Park. Neither of which movies have Wikipedia pages. Ones that do, however, are his 2001 feature On the Edge, which is about a suicidal young man and his stay in a Dublin psychiatric facility. That suicidal young man is played by uh, Cillian Murphy, who would also spend time in Arkham Asylum as the the scarecrow in some of the uh, Batman movies. He made a film in 2009 called Zonad, about a man who cons local residents into thinking he's an alien. <laughs> but I don't care about these films. I haven't seen these films. What I care about is the central trilogy that defines John Carney's work, which is the Oscar-winning 2007 film Once, our film Tonight Begin Again from 2013-14, and his 2016 film Sing Street. All three films are about a group of people that come together to make an album with basically no budget. And they're all wonderful. And he takes this very narrow idea and he just makes it work in these different incarnations. And there's this creative energy and and this, the camaraderie of the people that makes this movie. It just, it comes through the joy of the creative process, really comes through. Though of the three, and we'll get into ratings more, I think this may be the weakest and I think Carney would agree with me. And we'll get into that a little later. So have you seen the other two? I have, yes. I have not. They're both excellent. Yeah. So of the three, so you think this might actually be the weakest of the three? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. And, and this was his. This was his studio film. So once was a was an unexpected hit, and it won an Oscar for best song, and so he got to make this thing, and he says he'll never make anything like this again. Hmm. He said Mark Ruffalo was wonderful to work with, and and he thought Adam Levine was great. But of Carrie Knightley, he commented, I will never make a movie with a supermodel again. Did hmm. not care for Carrie Knightley, did not care for her entourage. Felt that that went against kind of the organic. And you can see it in what this movie is about. That's kind of how he wants to make his films. Is in a much more 
organic. We're just some guys that get together and make a film. And so his other films don't really have stars in them. Though in Once, what's her name, who was who's still Rooney Malek's girlfriend? Oh, She's I, yeah, I don't know her name. But. but otherwise, he prefers to work with little-known Irish actors. Huh. Interesting. I'm going to have to go and add those to my list then. I saw no. that those were his credits, and I kind of wondered about that, but I had not seen any of the others. Mm. So. Well, that so, kind of takes us down a notch, knowing that this is the weakest. And of it, but it's still a it's still a really good film. It's a joyous film. Oh yeah, you feel good. I was wondering because I haven't seen this about five years. Is it going to hold up? It totally holds up. Oh yeah, the music is so good. I'm surprised there's, I didn't revisit it because I had a couple spots to. where I didn't enjoy Adam Levine's music, mm. which is surprising because I generally like Adam well, you, Levine. But I think that was. Intentional, because he's supposed to be the sellout. Yeah. So the basic plot is that, well, the, the opening sequence is Mark Ruffalo sees Carrie Knightley sing a song that bombs at an open mic night in a kind of a crappy club in New York. And then through flashbacks, we see how they get there. How they get there. We see Mark Ruffalo's day. We see Kira Knightley's last several months with, with her boyfriend, who's Adam Levine who makes a big hit in what they simply call the movie, which I think this is self-referential. This is once. They made they made some little indie film that became a big deal largely because of the music. And so like the director, they get to go to the United States and try to make it in the mainstream version of the industry. So it's, it's interesting that he makes this mainstream movie, which he doesn't enjoy making, and he criticizes the whole process of making the mainstream movie in the mainstream movie he makes. No, very meta. It's very meta. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of curious how the casting of this came to be. The movie opens, of course, on James Corden, hmm. who, who he, he's an interesting. He, so he's playing. Uh, he's playing his music out at night in the park. He well, could before call that, like, he I could mean, call the movie it opens the late, on late him show. playing in the bar. Yeah, yeah. You could call so, that a late late show too. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted your joke. You interrupted the the whole rhythm of the joke. Yeah. Part of me wants to badmouth James Corden, and part of me like respects James Corden because, mm-hmm. I mean, what does he bring to the table? I'm like, kind of mixed on James Corden too. He's a guy that I think I want to like more than I like. Yeah, and I think part of that is because he took Craig Ferguson's spot, and Craig Ferguson is the greatest. Yeah, so he cannot be topped. Yeah, everyone in this movie plays their role pretty well. Mm. So well, we we need to go back and say what the the yeah. plot is to the extent that we haven't already said it in in broad terms. Yeah. So there's this this open open mic night. Ruffalo thinks that Knightley's music is absolutely great. He can hear in his mind. He's scoring it in his head. He's scoring it with accompaniment, which reminds me of the story about the singer Linda Ronstadt, who with her group the Stone Ponies in the '60s did a song called Different Drum. You can see both versions of this on uh, YouTube. The first version's fine. It's fine. And then the studio's like, no, we need background stuff. And so if you watch the original and then watch the one with the studio background, and it's just, wow. It's like, like, pumps it up. And as Linda Ronstadt says, sometimes those studio executives actually know what they're talking about. Yeah. And this is a movie about a studio executive that knows what he's talking about. He's he's on the outs. He's he's a wreck. He's a divorcee. He's basically lost control of. Are they his actually business. divorced? 
Well, they're estranged to divorce. They're separated. Yeah. And he had founded with this, his partner, this indie music label years ago. But he basically, because of his substance abuse problems, sold off most of his portion of it. He's basically kept around just out on of the off inertia he... on the off chance that he comes up with something. And he's fired at least twice over the Did course of this Did you catch the name film. of the studio? Distressed Records. Distressed Records. So oh, yeah, that, that's fitting. There's a lot of things in this movie that are self-referential in kind of entertaining ways. Like Distressed Records is the name of the studio where Ruffalo was a partial founder. Dan, Mark Ruffalo's character in the movie, his name is is Mark Mulligan or Dan Mulligan. Uh-huh. You know, Mulligan being a reference to the title of the movie. There's there's a lot of self referential things like that. Uh-huh. Names of the songs are referential, so yeah. And they, he he, Knightley is not really sold at first because she'd had her own recent experience with with her her boyfriend hitting it big and then shacking up with one of the studio people. But he wins her over, and they decide to make this album basically independently because that's like the only way they can get it made. And they come up with this idea that they will shoot everything live with ambient sound, which we're doing tonight. I don't know how much of this will translate, translate but the window's wide open, so if you hear cars or something, that would, that would be it. But it's just this joyful creative experience and, and how it kind of heals both of them and how... Uh, you know, the effect it has on his daughter, played by Ellie Stanfield, who's kind of lost and, and just being kind of marginally involved in this. She plays guitar on one of the tracks. And and getting to know Kara Knightley just really gets her straight in life. The whole thing about the way she dresses. It also gives her an opportunity to reconnect with her father mm. in a different way and kind of repair and re- And not view him as a that. loser. Because yeah. he she totally views him not without cause as a loser at the beginning of this film. Yeah, well, like, well, when he picks her up from school and he's been smoking what appears to be a joint as he's picking, as he's driving there, and then as he's sitting outside the school, you know, takes a drink off of his flask and then chews a bunch of breath mints and she gets in the car and asks what the smell is and he goes, oh, I spilled some gas. It's definitely not alcohol. But again, great music. There, there's some, some really fun sequences in this when... Uh, Karen Knightley and James Corden decide to record a song. They, they write a song and leave it on Mark, Le, not Mark Levine, Adam, Adam Levine. Levine's voicemail. As That's like the ultimate like way to break up with well, somebody. And when he comes back and says, yeah, I knew that, that I made a mistake as soon as I listened to your musical voicemail, you won me over. It's like it wasn't intended to win you over. It was intended to tell you to F off. Yeah, yeah. There's some pretty good lines throughout this too. Like when Mark Ruffalo is getting fired... He goes and he's trying to take his client list and and <laughs> this isn't Jerry Maguire. Yeah, yes, Lynn Bay tells as Saul tells him this isn't Jerry Maguire, or like when he's at the bar with his daughter and he says I don't have money to pay for you know he says oh. you got money to pay for the beers and she goes I don't have money to pay for this I'm a kid what happened to your pocket money I spent it on condoms. <laughs> and then there's that sequence where uh, Carrie Knightley they're talking to the park and uh, they're talking about a boy that Haley Stanfield likes and how to get his attention. And she says, well, you got to stop dressing like you're totally easy. And Mark Ruffalo just kind of freezes and gets up and walks away. It's like, I'm not getting involved in this thing. Just walks away from Just walks away from the park bench. So there is a lot of kind of subtle kind of backgrounded stuff that you may not even notice everything in the first, in the first run through. Yeah. You know, Mark Ruffalo also has that, 
level of honesty in this that is part of what allows him to win her over and also like part of what makes winning her over so crazy you know like they're talking about you know she's questioning whether he's really being authentic with her he says you know what i was doing before i heard you you know he says i I was drinking by myself on the subway platform getting ready to kill myself you know and then as we as you see in the movie what happened was the train was delayed so he came back up because his flask was empty and that's how he ended up in the bar where he hears her mm-hmm. but you know he's that bluntly honest with her that he was drinking and he was getting ready to kill yeah. himself and then i heard your song so yeah. yeah it works so he wins her over but is this movie a romance because they don't end up together but they 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 dance around the edges yeah, and it. I mean, there's the implication that are at the end is that maybe, maybe well, not. Well, that they were thinking about it, and then she sends him back the headphone splitter. And that's something that you also see as a plot line in Once, which is a uh, will they or will they not? You know, will this couple work? And in that film, the two leads actually did become a couple for for a time afterwards. Yeah. So this may be more meta commentary. One of the things I actually did for preparation for this film, hmm. Mark Ruffalo and Kira Knightley hung out for like two weeks before they started filming. Oh. So that I guess Mark Ruffalo, a lot of his lines were actually ad-libbed. Hmm. And so they hung out for like two weeks before the movie ever started so they could establish some chemistry. Yeah, an easy going yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, Which you can see throughout the yeah, movie. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Because they're not, they're not an obvious, you know, group to pair, you know, couple to pair up. There is fairly significant age difference. Mark Ruffalo was born in 1967 and Karen Knightley was born in 1985. So there's an 18-year age difference. Yeah. Yeah, Mark Ruffalo, I, I really like him as an actor. He's delivers some consistent performances. When he wants to convey rage, he can convey rage. Oh, I, I almost forgot. You asked if this was, was a romance. Mm-hmm. This has a feeling kind of akin to a Nora Ephron rom-com. All right. Did you catch that? Expand on that. Just the way that the chemistry is so easy in those movies, the way that it builds the the romantic tension, things of that nature. You're you're likening Mark Ruffalo to Billy Crystal? Not necessarily. I'm saying the feel of the movie. Okay. The feel of the movie is is reminiscent somewhat of a Nora Ephron rom-com, but they never actually get together. It actually uh, was produced by Judd Apatow, but this is not a Judd Apatow film. I mean, just tonally, not not at all. I wrote in my review when I saw it in 2016 two principal things about the actors. Carrie Knightley, who does her own singing in this, is a passable singer. She's perfectly fine. Yeah. Sometimes she's pretty darn good, and sometimes she's kind of weak. It works for what this it needs to be. It works for what this is, and that Mark Ruffalo is suitably ruffled. Yeah. That's really the best descriptor for Mark Ruffalo in this film. Yeah. A ruffled drunk. Yeah. Was this... What was the proximity of this and Spotlight? This was after Spotlight, right? No, I think... No, this would have been before Spotlight. So this was 2013, 2014, and Spotlight was 2015. Yeah, so I kind of wondered if... Because he has a similar appearance to aspects of Spotlight, so I kind of wondered if they were filming these in similar proximity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mark Ruffalo's great. Um, he didn't have to change much of his look in between these. No. Though he totally roided up when he played Hulk. Yeah. 
Haley Steinfeld plays her role well. So does Catherine Keener. CeeLo Green is in this. Everyone really does their role pretty well. There's a lot of locals, I would I would think, who play the backup musicians. Andrew Selson is in it. Plays Christian Father. I don't know who that is. Yeah, I'm not having but, trouble placing that one, too. But anyway, the, the, the guy that plays the violin is this kind of socially awkward guy, and they're kind of building him up. And they're like, he's a genius. He's been playing the violin since he was five. Well, actually, I started when I was four. Technically... <laughs> Yeah. I feel like that's who this guy really is. Yeah. One interesting credited role, Jen Jacob is Dave's fangirl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this film is extremely fun. It's you know, you good. talked about it being the lesser of those and that the director didn't really enjoy the experience. It doesn't come across that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is easily enjoyable. It's fun. It's easy to get caught up in this film and just find yourself kind of being swept along. And just along for the ride. And it, it really works well. Like you said, it holds up well. You said it's been five years since you'd seen it. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen it a total of three times. I I think you saw this first. Yeah, I think I did. And you mentioned it, and it had been on my list. And so I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And it, I enjoyed it quite a bit as well. And I think I've watched it once more since then, between then and tonight. It's just a, it's just a solid, fun, feel-good movie. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know how else to describe this. Critics seemed to like it. It was nominated for one Oscar. Do you know what Oscar? I'm, I'm guessing a song. Yes. Best Achievement in Music Written for Motion Pictures Original Song for Lost Stars. Lost Stars. Uh, Begin Again has an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes, 62% on Metacritic. How would you guess this film did at the box office? I don't recall. I want to say it was kind of a smaller release, but it was a Weinstein company. Mm-hmm. It was pretty successful given what they put into it. This this film only took eight million dollars to make, and it made sixty five point seven million at the box office. Wow! Price, which is a roughly nine times uh, yeah. the cost of production. Nobody can be disappointed yeah. with those numbers. Yeah. So even though that's fairly modest, relatively speaking, especially for something with Mark Ruffalo in it. Uh, it's yeah it's still a hit it's still quite the success and i'm sure that john carney i mean that must have financed whatever he you know financed sing street off of the success of this thing absolutely you kind of wonder sometimes you wonder about like how much they've made on future sales streaming rights that type of stuff soundtrack yeah any of that type of stuff you can get the soundtrack for a dollar online well the album the album yeah there's a lot of subtle things on this commentary you may not pick up on, on first listen. Unless you've seen the movie recently. How would you rate this film? Quite liked it. I'm going to give it 3.5 and, and 8 out of 10. Yeah. I I agree on the 8 out of 10. Again, I get into that trouble of having you know the half stars. Mm-hmm. So I'm torn between 3 and 3.5 three and stars. But I'm also 8 on the 10 star scale. Mm-hmm. Not much to criticize about this film. So It's fun. We recommend it. And feel good. There's nothing else. I'm Rob. And I'm Nate. And this is Robin Nate Record a Podcast. There is some fun trivia. So Kira Knightley, her husband is James Wrighton, who is a musician. Mm-hmm. And she had to learn to play guitar for her role in the movie. So he offered to help her. And Kira Knightley has described his lessons as disastrous and said that they almost led to divorce and murder. Oh well. Yeah. Now I wonder if that some of that energy was picked up on by Carney. Yeah. The director, yeah. Because he said he did not like 
did not like working with Kira. So, so evidently, much. the apartment that's given to Greta and Dave, so Karen Knightley and Adam Levine when mm-hmm. they first come to the city, is the real house of Adam Levine and his wife, Bahati Brinsloo. Oh, I'm so. Oh, James Corden also improvised some of his dialogue. Oh, Scarlett Johansson was originally cast for this role. Would not have worked anywhere near I as well. I don't think so. Uh, we had talked, when we were talking about Mulligan, while well, we watched this, my Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan might have been yeah. better suited. I think she'd probably have been more believable as a singer-songwriter. Yeah. And she kind of plays one in uh, Inside Llewellyn Davis. Yeah. Not so much a songwriter, but a singer. Yeah. The original working title of this film was Can a Song Save Your Life? Yeah, I think uh, I think it was good to, to change that. Ronan Keating vied unsuccessfully for the part of Dave. He's a vocalist from a group called Bizone. John Carney told Variety in an interview he considered casting the pop singer as Gre- uh, Greta James, including Adele and Floris Welch as alternates. Mm-hmm. Were some people he was considering? Florence Welch? Oh, I don't know that name. She's a singer. Was she in... Wait, is Rob? I don't recall. She was not. Did you... Oh. Go ahead. Go ahead. Apparently, Haley Stanfield, Steinfield is known as a singer, yeah. but she doesn't sing on this. Yeah. So. Yeah, I knew, I knew of her as being a singer. What were you going to say? I was going to say I had my own idea for one of these John Carney-type films about making an album. Okay. You get a group of people to get together to make a U2 cover album. The name of their group is Us As Well. The name of the album is Moses Root. <laughs> Where does some of this stuff come from? Brain damage. That's where it comes from. I don't know if I'd call it that, but... Oh, I think I told you when the movie was playing. When they are recording the first live song outside in that alley, one of the kids playing in the alley is Mark Ruffalo's son, Keen. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Was keen to be in the film. When Dan and Greta released her debut album online, her full name on the album cover is revealed to be Greta James, which takes inspiration and eerie similarity from the R&B singer Etta James. James yeah. But for whatever reason, she's only uh, credited as Greta. And Mark Ruffalo doesn't get credited as Mulligan being his last name. Mm-hmm. Even though like at one point when he's talking about creating a band with his daughter... He calls it the Mulligan Three, presuming that the wife will also be in it, I assume. But, yeah. Did you catch the title of the album as it's being released? Uh, no. The Great Outdoors. Uh, yes. Yeah. It's a, it's a better uh, album title than On the Road. Yes. Yes, indeed. I get some of these jokes. I'm not going to catch them on the first listen. Okay. Anything else? I'm good. Any other tidbits to insert? I, I think we need to do it again. Start over again. We need to begin again. You want me to re-edit this yeah. back into the end as a, a super long outtake? Super long meta outtake. Yeah. Okay. Now you should be starting to see. Is it working forms. this time? Yes. I'm we, just. We had to begin again. <laughs> <laughs> you got to begin again for me. I got to begin again. I was trying to. I had a whole stick I was going to do, but I was trying to remember the beginning of it. Better else just give me a dream mm. for. I'm just kidding. Yeah, just a random. I think dream. we're. I think we're pretty good. I did have an idea though. Okay. Check this out. 
ambient sound. Makes it more ostentatious. Indeed. Yeah. Oh, I guess it helps if I put something on the TV, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. I wonder how that's going to sound. Oh, it sounds good. You ready? Yeah. Okay. <coughs> Hackoff. Helps if I'm ready, huh? Hackoff. If I ask you if you're ready, I should probably be ready, right? Yeah. Yeah, might help. You ready? I am now. I'm Rob. And I'm Nate. And this is Rob and Nate Record a Podcast. And welcome back to a new theme month. Hey, welcome, welcome back to a new theme month. Welcome back to a new thing. We're going to have to begin again. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> At least I know I have some outtakes. Outtakes? This is how the episode begins. <laughs> you know, it's... It's almost a shame that I'm the only one that hears some of this stuff. Mm. <laughs> All right. Begin again. Try take two. Take number two. <laughs> <laughs>